Hey everybody, welcome to yet another episode of 666 Shock Avenue. Your place for all the unholy things that only I can bring you as I navigate on the World Wide Web for conspiracy theories and the stuff that really matters, because who needs politics or news, right? We should really focus on things that are less of a joke, like urban legends, hauntings, and uh, of course we can forget conspiracy theories, birds aren't real and the earth is flat. We all know that it is a cold, solid fact. However, I would like to start off this podcast with a rant. For those familiar with me, y'all know this is never a good thing. I saw something, you can see it on the uh, Facebook page for 666 Shock Avenue. Some genius decided to put a very hideous looking Dodge Ram up on Facebook. Now, I'm a, I like cars. As a matter of fact, I'm searching for one currently. This makes about two and a half months without a vehicle, but hey, that's okay. Um, with gas prices the way they are, I am in seriously zero rush, but I do need something pretty darn quick. Doctor appointments and whatnot. I'm just really, really in need of a vehicle, but all in good time, I guess, right? Let me just say this thing has wheels I've seen bigger on a Hot Wheels model. Tinted windows, raised, which, dear God help me, I hate, like, lifted vehicles. The thing is lifted. By factory. Standards, I suppose, here. That or someone modified the living out of this thing. That looks pretty much like a piece of crap that the neighbor's dog leaves in your front yard. And I really have zero tolerance for lifted vehicles. They bother me. They annoy me. Why, unless you just want to look at everybody else's car, as you drive down the road and be nosy? Why? Just why? And, of course, I love Rams. I actually uh, drove a 90s mile Ram not too long ago. Like, well, I say not too long ago. It was over 20 years ago. The 1997 Dodge Ram, oh, it was amazing, uh, standard shift, um, just really nice, I loved it, and it was my boss's, and I smoked in the thing when I was smoking, and this made him highly angry, which he let me know about it. I thought I was going to get the vehicle, and I did not, that's of course early 2000s, and so that was the whole deal. I tried Fords, I drove an F-150 for a day or two, just to try one out, and let's just say that I was okay with that too, uh, but I prefer Dodge Rams, and so that was, you know, any truck is really nice and good. My dad actually drives a Toyota uh, Tacoma, which is a nice vehicle. Uh, but I'm not really too much into that chrome thing. But, hey, it's a decent truck. It's been good for him. He bought it brand new at his retirement, I believe, and was very, very excited that he had a brand new truck. And I was happy for him. And, um, yeah, but let me just say, if that's modified or if that's factory, 
Dear God in heaven, why would you do that to any vehicle, especially a Dodge Ram? That's just not something that I'm prepared to really see out in public or on the road. May God have mercy on the soul of that individual that modified that pickup. Of course, you can go see it at 666 Shock Avenue's Facebook page. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Feel free to laugh or leave an angry face on the post. I totally understand why you would leave either. And if you like it, well, that's your cup of tea, obviously. Anyway, so I want to just say I'm glad that it's finally Friday yet again. And this is probably the most interesting part of the start to the wonderful weekend. And um, all the stuff I can manage to find short of consulting a Ouija board. Um, if you listen to 3AM Chills and you know that there will be a Jeepers Screamers rundown of the entire franchise, probably on the 20, uh, 22nd, no wait, 23rd, that's next Friday, so, um, I'm not sure about Reborn, which comes out on the, uh, 14th and not the 15th of September, so that would basically be, yes, that would basically be, uh, Wednesday when that was released, you'll have to pardon me, I'm a little bit scared right now. As you will hear in this podcast, it was a rut of things at the time and I expected to do well. Uh, why that was, you'll find out in this edition of 606 Shock Avenue as we run down 18 things that you may or may not know about Jeepers Creepers. If you're a hardcore movie knowledge seeker, if you're a fanatic for horror, you may know and you may have seen this article. And it's just, uh, it's a well-written article. 18 things I didn't even know. And, um, we have some ground to cover apart from the show material. As you know, last week the Queen of England passed and it was a sad time for the UK as well as those who thought highly of her. Some are glad she was gone, claiming she was anything but kind, even though she meant something to a lot of people. I hope that her memory will be held with reverence, and I'm not honestly surprised at the irreverence surrounding her death, especially since people think they can just be rude for no reason these days, especially in regards to the deceased. That's all I have to say about that. As Forrest Gump would say. So, how was your weekend, or how was your week, rather, this weekend now? Uh, the good thing is, we have cooler temperatures, and there are possibilities that are endless to actually endure the outdoors for the first time in months at this moment. Uh, anyway, so, with that being said, get out there. Definitely get your fall on just don't fall. And, uh, you know, and, uh, gosh, where do I start with this podcast, you know? Uh, well, hey, how about with movie releases? If you're looking for something new this weekend, there are not many movies out there. There are the horror 
went to the movie Insider, who I use compulsively. They're the ultimate movie guide, apparently. I haven't really found anything wrong with them at all, unlike IMDb. Yeah, I had issues with the rating on Mark and the Witch with them. It was stupid. A lot of people just don't know how to rate these days. I think they were actually thinking of the wrong movie. Okay, so, uh, I decided to cover much more than just the horror realm. Maybe it sparks your interest, because I know a lot of people have a lot of different interests when it comes to entertainment. After all, we all don't go to McDonald's and order a McChicken with no lettuce every day. If we did that, life would be boring. The last thing we need are blind followers and cookie cutters. But anyway, um, up first we have a movie that is one of those dramas that have a normally giant impact on everyone. This is all about a um, all-female military in Africa. Features Viola Davis, Gina Breeze, Brightwood, and more. It's apparently a true story and also tagged under historical drama. It's called, uh, Believe, uh, Queen of Africa or something like that. I forgot to put the title down, but I believe it's called Queen of Africa. If you go to, uh, Movie Insider, yeah, you see where I neglected the title. It is in theaters, though, in rate PG-13. Second, if you like different eras of London, check out See How They Run. Set the 1950s West End of London that uh, plans a movie that plans for a movie adaptation for a special play. However, it comes to an abrupt halt after a surprise. A pivotal member of the crew is murdered. Inspector Stoppard, played by Sam Rockwell, an eager cookie constable stalker, played by yeah, I'm going to screw this up. Sioris Roman take on the case but find themselves thrown in a puzzling whodunit. Crime and mystery fans want to check this one out. It's in theaters now. If you like musicals, check out Heather's The Musical, where Veronica dreams of popularity and JD helps those dreams come true after she is taken hostage by the cruel Heathers. Yes, those evil, evil Heathers. I, yeah, the evil Heathers. He shows her that it is indeed murder to be as somebody. You can see Madison Firth, Lisa uh, Davidson, and more if you're into musicals, check it out. Now to a horror release on Prime Video, Goodnight Mommy is showing right at this very moment. Naomi Watts stars in this and wakes up with bandages on her face. The victim of experimental cosmetic surgery and learns that something doesn't add up. Definitely uh, check this one out if you're a fan of the original film. I do believe this is a remake. As you recall, the original was one of the most difficult films to watch if you were indeed an empath. I saw a few moments of the film, and it's definitely something that is difficult for even myself to watch. Surprisingly, it is not rated. Uh, also, showing in limited theaters, the movie Silent Twins, a film about uh, twins, identical twins, 
who only communicate with one another and are institutionalized. It is indeed a true story about June and Jennifer Gibbons, and you can find a lot about them via Wikipedia and other sources. It's a really amazing story. It can be found right now on select screens. Check out MovieInsider.com for more info on where you can see it, where you can purchase tickets. You don't want to miss this one, I guarantee you. IMDb already has a rated 6.4 out of 10 stars, probably because it was shown at film festivals overseas. This film is also not rated. That is just a taste of what is happening in the world of film releases right now. Definitely get out and see what's showing near you. Link will be in the podcast description. So, we have a few birthdays to celebrate. Actually, more than a few. This was apparently the golden day for a lot of really cool people to be born. Starting with 1956 with David Copperfield, that's the magician. May his debut into the hellish trauma we call life. Happy birthday to him. Also, celebrating this day born in 1958, the beautiful, marvelous, always alluring Jennifer Tilly um, was born this day in 1958. She is simply amazing, a great actress, the bride of Chucky, voice stuff on Family Guy. Uh, enjoy your day. Next we have a, uh, as you know, I'm a baseball fan, so we have we have a, a triple play of birthdays. 1958, 1959, and 1960. What does that ever happen, right? Oral Hershiser, name sound familiar? He played for the LA Dodgers and the Cleveland Indians. Born this day in 1958, happy birthday to him. I hope it is a home run. Also, one year later, in 1959, Tim Raines was born. He is a major league all-star. Happy birthday to him as well. In 1960, Mickey Tettleton was born. A catcher for the Rangers, born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. That's not very far from me, honestly. About 45 minutes northward. Happy birthday to him also. If you remember the band The Dead Milkman, Dave Blood, their bassist, was born this day in 1956. I believe all people born this day deserve a commemoration. Uh, he passed on 2004. Happy birthday to the late Dave Blood. My bloody Valentine fans, Belinda Butcher, fitting name. Uh, celebrating this day, born in 1961. Happy birthday to you, Belinda. Don't know why I'm including this, but Richard Marks, born this day in 1963. Yeah. And finally, yummy, Amy Poehler, born this day in 1971. I'm totally smitten with this woman. She's just a dream. You might remember from SNL and Parks and Recreation, as well as a lot of different films. You'll definitely know her for sure if you're familiar with any of them. She is a very talented comedian as well, a writer, all that. Happy birthday to you, Amy Poehler. That is your birthday line for today, and if you have a birthday today, happy birthday to you as well from all of us at Straight Jack for Two Productions. Now we have some passings that occurred. 
if you remember the folk band Peter, Paul, and Mary, the Mary Travers come to mind. Passive leukemia this day in 2009, when she was uh, 72 years old. Rest in peace to her, the always beautiful Mary Travers. Hey, that appears to be it for deaths, except uh, for Kenneth Starr. Passed away on the 13th, which was last Tuesday. And of course, I don't do politics on the show, but this guy was rather pivotal in history. I remember his name, of course, if you watch Saturday Night Live, then you will remember him as well as the guy who investigated uh, Bill Clinton and as President Time. And uh, he would, I mean, he was just, you know. Him and Linda Tripp was also on that committee uh, to investigate Bill Clinton for the purpose of impeachment. He was also a lawyer in the uh, Watergate scandal, for those of you who remember that far back to Nixon, uh, his presidency. He was also a D.C. Circuit judge for the Court of Appeals and had a huge part in basically everything. Uh, so rest in peace to Ken Starr. Uh, complications from surgery got him over time. Now the time has come to get into the show. That was a la- that was a uh, rather long road, rather leading us up to what we came for. But you can relax because right now there are more important matters at hand. I am speaking, of course, of 18 things you didn't know about Jeepers Creepers. Everyone remembers that song, Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those peepers, right? So, if you're a fan of the franchise, you may not know some of what you think you do. However, this is something I recently got into, especially since Jeepers Creepers Report was released on Wednesday. It looks to be pretty good. It was originally released on August 31st. 2001, when the beginning of the franchise would basically begin, uh, your way of putting it, uh, double descriptor, whatever, uh, they didn't expect a huge hype like it turned out to be. It was low budget, and apart from that, there was a lack of star power, and it was released on the end of summer's dog days. Justin Long was made a star from this film. It was actually a great acting performance by Mr. Long. Victor Salva also found success as a director for this amazing film. Released around Labor Day, it made it a prime uh, time, basically, to check out horror movies. But what was The Creeper anyway? That's the first thing we should really cover in considering uh, such a franchise as this with such a scary dude. So, put simply, he was a winged creature who dies on human flesh. Simple and short, right? Sixteen years later, they came out with the third in 2017. That crow you just heard is a good sign the creeper is indeed around. Maybe he's around now. But now they have Reborn coming out in 2022. And it's a very anticipated film for those who found the film to be an instant hit for generations to come. After all, we know, or we all should know, that every 23rd spring, it feeds for 23 days, 
on that lonely stretch of road, he just eats everything and causes terror there when he encounters. Some good points are that he drives well enough to put a lot of fear in you and is also a remarkable weapons expert. The Creeper is shrouded in mystery. His license plate is ambiguous and meaning. So it looks like beating you, B-E-A-T-I-N-G-U. Uh, yeah, but it's B-E-A-T-I-N-G-U. That's what I thought it was with the first movie, Beating You. And I thought, oh, he beats people up. Well, no, he doesn't. That was before I saw the wrath of the Creeper and the terror he strikes in the hearts of many. Apparently. So is it beating you or me eating you? And it turns out it's me eating you. Because in the second one, I believe, there is a... This second one. So there's this truck with a harpoon attached to it. On the back, this homemade harpoon gun. And it uh, has a license plate on the front. It says, me killing you. So that was always tell by that that old rickety jalopy vehicle that they just oh my gosh and we'll talk about that as well so is it fact or fiction is there really a creeper that hangs out on that stretch of road every 23rd spring for 23 days well can you tell fantasy from reality and that's the first thing you cover it's a very ambiguous situation the director says it's a work of pure fiction, but the first 20 minutes seem to be straight out of an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, in 1991, they ran a thing on TV in which Dennis Hugh, a Michigan man who allegedly killed his wife in 1990 and had dumped her body behind an abandoned school. Except this time, it's this pipe in the ground with an opening above ground out from uh, behind this old boarded-up uh, church that's been abandoned. We'll get more into that as well. But it seems more realistic and more closely it's related to a true story. The more people think it is a possibility, and I think that was definitely something that they, as well as every other director, kind of go through. So, the Jeepers opening... <laughs> And the eyewitness account of a couple cited on the show shares such details as a traveling man and woman playing license plate name games. I do that too. They're pursued by a mysterious vehicle, a van, not a truck, on otherwise deserted highway, a derelict building, which is a school, not a church, and bloody bedlinens. Uh, even individual shots from the film seem to resemble similar slots from a TV episode. Look it up and compare for yourself. So that's the first. The second is that Justin Long had impressed Salvo with his performance in Galaxy Quest, but what won him the lead role of Derry was his audition. Salvo knew Long could appear funny or genuinely frightened, depending on what the scene. He said it contained none of the false bravado and machismo the director had seen in other male actors, newer teens, or young adults. 
the third little-known fact is that both Long and Gina Phillips, who plays Derry's sister, Trisha, but was highly beautiful, has said that Salva's screenplay was so scary, they had to put it down after reading the first 20 pages or so, and come back to it hours later. That is definitely a sign of a perfectly written film, when you scare the living out of your actors. Long and Phillips, uh, the third thing, Long and Phillips are supposed to be college students, but while Long was 22 at the time of shooting, Phillips was already 30. The best part is I don't really care, because, well, the reason I don't care is that Gina Phillips is an absolutely, completely gorgeous woman, and, um, made the list of my Hollywood crushes, along with Phoebe Cates, Mila Kunis, and Jennifer Aniston. They're beyond my reach, but I can dream for sure, right? The next thing that you didn't know, possibly, is that MGM would wear bankable names to play the two leads. However, Salva was in with Francis Ford Coppola, who used his clout to stick up for Salva's casting choices. Uh, say something about Francis Ford Coppola. He's definitely a wise man with a lot of talent and a lot of pull to pull that off. We're talking MGM execs and one man changing their mind. So, uh, number six. The Creeper's truck was every bit the jalopy it appears to be in the film. The exhaust system did not work. After every tank, the driver had to open the door let out a very large cloud of smoke. That would be something environmental extremists would lose their mind over. This thing polluting the air, how dare they? People can be such errands. To me, it added to the film in a very profound way. And uh, how about that cattle catcher on the front? Yeah. Next up, Jonathan Breck literally scared the soul out of the filmmakers enough during his audition to win the part of the Creeper. I gotta tell you, there's a link in the podcast, the YouTube videos showing a small part of Greg's audition. And it basically uh, is where he mimicked the moments of the Creeper getting in the faces of terrified potential victims. And he starts sniffing them to see if they have any body parts that he wishes to consume. Yes. It's only part of it, though, and I'm dying to see what the whole audition was. That's definitely scary, though. I don't think I could sleep, but that's how you get the part right. I imagine they had some PTSD. Next up, cameos are nothing that are rare in films from directors. Stephen King made appearances in his films constantly. Uh, Rose Red. Um, then, he played the farmer in Creep Show that discovers that meteor, you know? Great anthology, by the way. However, Salva also did an appearance. Uh, Salva likes to make Hitchcock style cameos in his films and there's a sequence where you see the psychic Giselle's record collection there's a photo of a young man wearing a necktie I remember that 
That is Salva's high school senior photo. You can also see Salva's head among the bodies of the victims in the Creeper's House of Pain. So, the House of Pain, not a bad name for a place. There was even a hip-hop group. House of Pain, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number nine, halfway into the list. Don't worry, I'll let you out in time to tackle the day. The movie was uh, shot in northern Florida around Ocala. The highway where much of the film was shot didn't appear deserted enough, so Salva got local homeowners to upgrade their mailboxes temporarily. I think the post office is kind of angry about that. But uh, Salva's one of those directors that is so thorough and leaves no stone unturned. Plus, Florida, you know, it's the perfect place anyway. Maybe you met Florida men on Bay Dead. So, number 10, we talked about the church. The church above the Creeper's Lear was a real abandoned church. And uh, after the movie's success, it became a tourist attraction until it mysteriously burned down a few years ago. Did you hear about this, honestly? Especially a church. You would think it would have been kept around for a while for the forces of me protecting the place. I suppose that was fitting given the intensity of this film. There is a theory though as to who did this, right? Who done it. According to our most reliable source, apparently on the internet, Google. A few years after Jeepers Creepers was released, the church and many of the trees around it were burned to the ground. In a suspected arson attack, it has never been proven, but many suspect former New York Yankees owner George Steinbrenner was behind it. Steinbrenner is German for burning stone. So maybe he did it, who knows. That was published September 28th of 2020. Research it and draw your own conclusions, right? So... Next up, number 11, to Salva, Florida seemed like the jungle. The director, who weighed 400 pounds at the time, found the heat and humidity unbearingly oppressive, though he knew that Breck had it worse, having endured the uh, weather from under mountains of latex. And there were so many noisy insects that during outdoor shots, a crew member had to fire a pistol before cameras rolled in order to silence bugs long enough to capture and take with audible dialogue. On your mark, get set, silence, right? New method to getting a quiet on the set for owner. Just a fire gun. When you hear the creeper whistling that old familiar Johnny Mercer standard that gives the movie its title, its namesake, Jeepers Creepers. The Creeper couldn't whistle, couldn't whistle more than likely because Ed Marks, the movie's editor, whistled the tune. But he never found someone else to do it that he liked better, so it was kept in the movie. Truth be told, I can't whistle either, so they would have to do the same had I been the creeper. That would have been a fun role. And we get to lucky number 13. The 
Roadside Diner. You remember that? It was built for the set. But, you know, this proves how astronomically insanely great this movie was. It looked real enough that passersby would try to stop me getting food and gas. That's a lot of talent, let me tell you. Number 14. Does anyone remember the scene at the house where they had the cat lady? And there were tons and tons of cats. So, the house where the cat lady played by Eileen Brennan lived. Um, or Eileen Brennan, maybe, I guess. Lived was the home of an actual cat lady. Um, though the film's felines were provided by an animal trainer. And actually, Salva had planned for a more extensive sequence inside the house. But budget cuts in no way and force him to trim the scene. Uh, never tell someone how many cats they can have. That was a lot of cats, though, and I love cats. I probably would have been the catnapper, though. So she fired a shotgun instead of firing at the creeper. Uh, one thing, definitely never become, or never come between a woman and her feline friends. They were temperamental felines, so maybe they sense the creeper. And also, if she has a shotgun, you better get out of her yard. Don't make her tell you again. Next up, we have the scenes that were cut for budgeting falling through. It's heartbreaking when something isn't happening that would have been a major climax. Am I right? Once Alva arrived in Florida, he discovered that $1 million worth of his financing had fallen through. They is forced to cut some 20 pages of script from the end of the film. There would have been a fiery climax which Neri manages to get behind the wheel of the Creeper's truck and drives it into an oncoming train in a uh, suicidal attempt to destroy the creature. If someone got the funding, I have one thing to say to you. You are a douchebag. Number 16, moving on. It all paid off in the end at the box office. And Salvo was left with $10 million to make the movie. When it premiered, it grossed $15.8 a record for a four-day Labor Day weekend. Unfortunately, Jeepers Creepers earned, or ultimately, rather, sorry, I read that wrong. Ultimately, Jeepers Creepers earned $37.9 million in North America and a total of $59.2 million worldwide, which is not bad for a low-budget film, but no star power. All hail, Mr. That's not where the road ends on this. Uh, join me as we go into number 17. As you recall, Long did make a camo in the Jeepers Creepers 2. Phillips chose not to return after Salvo minimized Trish's role on the script. The sequel broke on Labor Day weekend. Uh, the sequel broke the Labor Day record set by the first film with an $18.4 million debut. It made a total of $63.1 million worldwide. Round 2 was even better, but why make her appearance minimal? In my opinion, she was pretty awesome. That's number 3 at the box office. But it didn't do so well as the first two. 
So number three was a low, low deal. And you're about to see how low is even lower than the first, way lower. But it was only a two-day run, so Jeepers Creepers 3, which by the way is amazing, grossed 2.3 million in the United States, 1.7 million in other territories, cleaning up a cold, cool 4 million. Uh, I, you know, if you were part of the reason that happened, shame on you. Finally, number 18, we have news on number 3, which was released when this article was written. As early as 2009, Salvo was floating the idea for a third Jeepers, one that would bring Phillips and Trisha back in the lead. She was said to have grown into a successful businesswoman who marshals her financial resources to combat the creeper and stop him from targeting her now teenage son in Jeepers Creepers 3 Cathedral. Uh, this went before the cameras finally this spring, though reportedly a much revised screenplay in a smaller role for films. And that was, of course, from an article from way before now. Maybe it was 2016 or something. And there you have it, 18 things you probably did not know about Jeepers Creepers. Number three was brilliant, though. Um, maybe some thought uh, the first or second could be undone. But always remember, watch out every 23 years. In the spring for 23 days and keep watching the skies. I hope you enjoyed this look into Jeepers Creepers. I know I did. Maybe you knew, maybe you didn't at the end of everything. You know now, though, that's all that matters. Some final thoughts as I close this. Something's built my mind. Uh, keep supporting indie horror and horror authors. Also, keep an open mind to sequels. It's not always bad, but sometimes it's been pretty horrendous. I honestly am looking forward to catching Reborn soon. You can't go wrong with this franchise. Be active in the ratings crowd and please rate responsibly. We don't need any more disasters. Next, we have our closing credits. And as always, from all of us here at Straight Jacket for two productions at 666 Shock Avenue. Enjoy your weekend and... Safe.